it, knowing that it was a major feature film by a director that I had heard of. I'm not a huge movie buff, so to hear someone's name that you recognize and then realize that your child has been cast, just an experience that was almost indescribable because I didn't, I didn't think it was going to happen that quickly. I wasn't that I doubted her talent, but I, I certainly didn't think that within 60 days of coming to LA, she would have booked a major feature film. Hello, and welcome to the Hollywood Hustle podcast, where we bring you the stories and struggles of artists climbing the ladder of success and how they survive the city of dreams. Los Angeles. Hello, everyone. My name is Michael Lutheran, and welcome to episode 32 of the podcast. We have a really exciting conversation today with Shallon Coffey, the mother of actress Izzy Coffey. So this is our act two discussion, but we'll be sitting down with the mother of this child actress. So it's going to be a wonderful conversation. Get it entirely new perspective that we haven't featured yet on the show so really excited for you to be joining us today uh, last time that you heard from me I had just booked a commercial and I have since filmed that commercial so it all happened really really quickly but it was a fantastic 13 hour day on set and I say that with absolute love and excitement because it really was one of the most fun projects I had had a chance to work on. I, I can't really go into too much in terms of the company that this was a commercial for, but it was more of like a product demo for something that was going to be shown in-house to the company once they're getting ready to sell this product. But it was a really fun challenge to be acting with artificial intelligence. Yes, that's right. I actually performed next to AI. So it was a an experience unlike any other that I had had, but the film, the crew behind uh, the project were phenomenal to be working with, and a couple of them were my friends, so it was a really great opportunity to just go in with some new collaborators, but also some people that I've worked with in the past, and to just work on something new and exciting and uh, challenging as well, but in the in the best way possible. So I got to film that for a day, and got to live my life as an actor, getting paid for my work. So always really appreciated uh, for any day like that here in Los Angeles. It's always really nice. But as you guys also know, we currently do have a listener contest happening here on the show. It's We're calling it our Halloween Nunez listener contest. And what it entails, uh, well, we're going to offer a chance to share your artistic hustle on not only the podcast, we'll talk about you on an episode, but we'll also share your story on the homepage of our website, HollywoodHustlePodcast.com. Uh, so, you know, you can share with us your acting reel, or if you've produced some music and you want to share a track, or just a link to your business, we'll feature that. And we'll also talk about it here on the show. But not only that, uh, we're also going to create an audio message for you, just, you know, recorded by Daniel and I for you as a way to thank you for uh, contributing more to our experience here running the podcast. But we're also thrilled to have a signed movie poster by uh, Todd and Ashley Mary Nunez of the upcoming film Death Ward 13. Uh, remember the name Todd Nunez because we'll be talking about him later on uh, in the outro portion of uh, this episode. But he's our next guest here in the series, and it's going to be a really exciting and engaging interview. But you have a chance to win a signed movie poster by this brother and sister filmmaking duo. So, uh, And how can you win this contest? It's simple and easy. All you have to do is go to iTunes, find us on iTunes, and submit us a review. We hope that it's a five star, but you know, just send us your thoughts on the show. And by just hitting submit, you have the chance to win all of these prizes all into packaged into our Halloween Nunez listener contest. So this contest is going on for just a couple more weeks. So don't let the time run out. Just after you listen to today's episode, go to iTunes, leave us your thoughts, and we really hope that you win. So good luck on that. There's been a lot more happening, not only just here within the podcast and within mine and Daniel's personal lives, but it just feels like lately just a lot has been going on just in the world with the wake of the recent uh, hurricanes, Hurricane Harvey, Hurricane Irma, Maria, and uh, 
most recently here in the state of California, uh, we've been experiencing some really bad fires, uh, some in Southern California, but the majority in Northern California. And I have a personal message uh, that I would like to save to speak more on that topic. So that I'm going to be discussing that in the outro portion of this interview. Uh, but I just want you to know that we are going to be addressing uh, this most recent news. But until then, last week, you got to hear from young actress Izzy Coffey. But today, we're talking with Izzy's biggest supporter and the person responsible for making Izzy's dream a reality, her mom, Shallon Coffey. We get an inside view on what it's like to be a parent of a child actor who's climbing the ladder of success in Hollywood and the responsibility Shallon has to not only just Izzy's career, but ensuring that her daughter still receives a full childhood experience as well so this is a fascinating conversation that i'm certain you will enjoy so i can't wait to chat with you more about it on the other side take it away daniel thank you daniel and michael so we're back here with izzy and we also brought on her mom Shallon Coffee. Hello. Hello. Thank you so much for being on with us. No problem. The conversation with Izzy was so exciting and awesome. Uh, I think we just wanted to have you come on and kind of give the mom and parent perspective of having a kid who's pursuing acting and that dream career of, of being not famous, but a career in, in film. So uh, let's just kind of start off with when did you start noticing that kind of creative performance side of her? Um, very early, as she said, probably about 18 months, she would talk to the television mm -hmm. um, and say she wanted to be on TV. She was verbal very early. Uh, she also started writing really early. By the age of three, she mm -hmm. was writing, and she was actually writing mashups at the age of three. Really? That we would have to act out ourselves. <laughs> now, what, can you like describe one of these mashups? Oh, certainly. <laughs> uh, something like uh, Monster High meets um, Zuri. Barbie. Uh. Barbie. Okay. Yeah, so so she was writing Barbie. fan fiction before like fan fiction was a thing. Yes. <laughs> she was mixing it all up and we would have to play the roles. Um, her dad... Uh, spent a lot of time uh, doing Monster High, doing the boy voices, but she never liked what he had them say. She wanted to script them and mm -hmm. say, no, he needs to say this to her. <laughs> and that was probably at the age of three. All right, so already having the creative oh, side yes. coming out. Yes. Nice. And and uh, how did you, when you started noticing this, obviously you acted out the roles with her mm -hmm. and things like that. What else, Was there anything else that you felt you did that to help kind of nurture that? side of her um, I think that we also really nurtured her by asking her why she made those choices mm -hmm. when she would uh, write um, why did you pick that character and why did you have them do this certain action as she started to tell us more about that we learned more kind of what was going on in her brain. And from those decisions, we kind of realized that she was, we, we call her special. <laughs> <laughs> and for the betterment of the term, yeah. Yes, in a very loving way. Yes. She was just different. None of her other friends did anything like that. Even now, she's writing a pilot as we speak. You're writing a pilot? Yes, I am. <laughs> <laughs> what, uh, what is, what's the pilot about? If you, what if you guess? That's that's fantastic. Are, what are you, what draft are you on right now of the script? I think about forty eight. Forty eight. Oh, you have forty eight pages. Yes. Oh wow, that's a that's gonna be a, that's a big pilot. That's that's a full length hour. Is it a cartoon or is it live action? It's live action. Do you have who? Do you know who you would shop it to? Are you looking at like Disney or like Nickelodeon? I'm not really sure yet. Okay. I think there will be something that's for adults though. Okay, so a little more. Okay, interesting. All right. So obviously very creative. Yes. <laughs> uh, she obviously said she did some like the modeling stuff, the national, um, uh, national American, American Miss. American Jeez, that thing is National American Miss, MIT. How, what, you know, obviously you have to make some sacrifices to get them to Florida 
and Nashville. What you know, what was that like coming up? You know, going, you know, that's making that decision. It's like, okay, we're gonna go to Florida for two weeks, and we're gonna go to Nashville. Uh, you know, what was how was that like for you and making those decisions for her? Um, it really wasn't difficult at all. We have kind of just been behind her from the very beginning. Mm-hmm. It was actually very natural for us to say, sure, we can try this. When National American Miss sent us the letter, I started calling girlfriends and saying, hey, did you submit Izzy for this? Because we had no idea where it came from. I'm definitely not a pageant mom. I, I saw things that um, made my skin crawl, <laughs> uh, quite honestly. Mm-hmm. So I knew that we didn't necessarily fit in that world. But at the same time, um, Izzy did extremely well. When she did talent and she wrote her rap and performed it, she placed third. Okay. And then when she did uh, top model, she placed second. Okay. Now, when now I was was she writing raps for a, a while before that? Is that something she's also no, been writing? That, that was, was her first. The first time, uh, but she I would say she averages a song every two weeks. Okay. She writes music and then we'll put it to um, my piano <laughs> to, to her piano. She is just very creative. Mm-hmm. So we've always kind of supported that and gone with it. Nice. Uh, was there now? Obviously, talking to you, the dad's not here. Was, was he the same way? Uh, very totally. supportive in the same way. Definitely. Fantastic. Did you know when she was like, "I want to do this. I want to do the modeling." Did you sit down with her and kind of talk to her about the business a little bit and like what it's like? We did, um, and we actually did modeling first. Her dad and I talked about it for a long time. In I'm shorter. Um, I know that your viewers can't uh, see that, but I'm shorter. So we knew if she was going to do modeling, that was very short-lived. Mm-hmm. So she did that for about a year. She really enjoyed it. She did some modeling for, like, I think her photos even are still up on Love Baby J, which is um, couture-type dresses for little girls. Okay. She enjoyed doing that, uh, but then she really just kind of got the bug for acting mm-hmm. and transitioned. Um, we did tell her that she needed to make a choice because we couldn't financially support both avenues. Right. Well, it's, it's definitely, especially with classes and headshots <laughs> and having to go to auditions and all that stuff, definitely can be expensive uh, for sure. How did you make sure to not let that take over your life as well? How did you kind of make sure like there's Izzy time and, and, and you know her, what she needed, but making sure that you guys still had your time as, as adults and parents? Oh, um, well, her dad has continued to work his full-time job, and mm-hmm. he's, he's still in the same place that he was. He works for Coca-Cola. He's only able to travel out about three weeks a year, so it's just her and I. Mm-hmm. Um, but during the evenings, we still do like a family game night at least once a week, but usually more often we play cards or we do something. And with her being homeschooled, we spend so much time talking about real life things during school time Mm -hmm. that she and I are just really, really close. So I never worried about that. Now I write, uh, I'm a grant writer, so I write from home. So -hmm. there are times that, you know, she kind of has to be left her own devices. (laughs) And that's usually during her creative time. That's when she'll work on the pilot or she'll write songs while I'm writing for my client. Right. So so you have that time where you, there is a little separation mm-hmm. of things you have to get done as, as the mom and the caretaker. And she can go and kind of have her own time to, to write her own stuff. Right. That's fantastic. That's nice. But she's, she's really wonderful, totally responsible, helpful, makes her bed every day. I don't have to fuss. I don't have to do anything. Um when it's time to clean, her, her favorite thing is vacuuming. So she vacuums while I clean, and it, it works out. It's a nice balance. Has, now, she obviously, you know, I talked to her a little bit about feeling more of a, a adult vibe with her, more professional uh, vibe with her. Is she always going to have that since she was younger? Yes. Everyone, uh, since she was probably nine months old, everyone would say that she had an old soul. I think that's still very true. She's very responsible and um, very professional. It seems like she's able to, she helps out, doesn't fuss about helping out. And she understands that we're here to, you know, doing stuff. And and she seems to understand that you make those sacrifices as well, driving around and stuff like that. That You mentioned earlier kind of the seeing the moms at the, the pageant stuff and kind of the cringing that happened. So obviously there is the st- term stage mom, quote unquote. 
where you know people hear like the, the forcing their kids to do film and and television or pageants and and being you know if they don't book it or they don't get it they you know they scream at them or yell at them there's the dance mom show you know you see those things you know how how do you feel you are as quote unquote a stage mom you know if you had to change that term to make it a, a good term like how would you feel that you are I just I'm a backseat person anyway mm-hmm. um, and. Um, I feel like when she is on set or she's auditioning or she's on stage, um, she's supposed to be in the spotlight, not me. Mm -hmm. Unfortunately, I've seen people that kind of live through their kids and live out their dreams. That's very difficult for me. And I think the reason it's the most difficult for me is I can't identify with it at all. Mm-hmm. Um, I've always just kind of wanted to be in the back of the crowd, right. <laughs> not front and center. I just enjoy watching her do what she does. Mm-hmm. And um, I feel very sorry for the children that don't have that opportunity. Right. They don't have that kind of like uh, the supportive mom, not the, the the coach mom, I guess would be the best way to say it. She has a manager for a reason. They take care of all of that. I'm just her mom. And when I go on set with her, I'm her mom. Right. That's it. See, that's good. I think that's good because it helps keep that separation within the relationship. Like, you're still her mom. Right. So when she, not saying she seems like an angel, I'm sure she never does anything wrong. But if she does, it's not, (laughs) you know, but hopefully when she does, when that day comes that she doesn't, she she doesn't listen or she does something wrong. um, You know, obviously you still have that mom, like you're the mom. And I think that that's a problem a lot of those stage moms have is that when they act more like the manager and the best friend that they lose that that relationship and that stat that quote unquote status i certainly agree with you with each of them so that's good and again i'm not saying she i'm sure she's a perfect angel and never does anything wrong but if that day ever comes she could deny with that <laughs> <laughs> so when when she does have she kind of mentioned a little bit of how you help her with auditions and stuff like that you you drive her to the auditions obviously yes. um i'm sure it'd be weird if she drove up by herself to the auditions and then and then you help her with the auditions as well. Um, what are some other things you do to help her when she has an audition coming up or you know, at the auditions? Um, when she has an audition coming up, the biggest thing that I try to do is um, help her break down the material. Sometimes it's, even though it, it's a child's role, she doesn't really understand what um, the writer is wanting her to act out. So we spend a lot of times like, do when you say that, do you understand what it means mm-hmm. type deal and breaking it down that way. Mm-hmm. And then I also spend a good bit of time as the reader. And then for self-tapes, um, I'm the camera person. Um, <laughs> the Uber <not>. driver. <laughs> yes, Uber driver, definitely. Do you have waters in your car that you pass out? <laughs> <laughs> Other than that, though, I mean, she gets she gets coaching from what I feel are the right people for her. Um, she's been to some coaches that she doesn't care for. Ultimately, Izzy decides who works well with her and who mm-hmm. she wants to work with. Right. And um, I'm just really there to get her from point A to point B. Right. And I do help with hair, um, you know, hair emergencies <laughs> or if she's going on... Uh, on camera for an audition and she needs a little bit of makeup to get rid of the shine, then mm. that's mom's job. But other than that, it, it's her. Now, she obviously has made friends here. Do you Have you kind of gotten in that group of moms as well? Like, do you have your own friends here as well? I do. I have several people that I would say are friends. Mm-hmm. The rest, I would say, are acquaintances. Okay. Um, what, what would you say the difference is? <laughs> Between the two. Um, I would say the difference is um, a lot of people, like I was saying earlier, do live through their children. Mm -hmm. And um, I can't identify with that. Mm -hmm. So it's difficult for me to be friends with them. You can be around them, be cordial. Mm -hmm. But it's not one of those where you call me like, hey, let's go to Six Flags. (laughs) Right. And um, there are several moms that I certainly do feel that I can talk to. Mm -hmm. and um, But they're the people that are just here to support their kids and right there's, there's a big deviation between the two and i haven't found a happy medium to hang out <laughs> <with them yet. laughs> i totally get that i totally understand 
Do you guys live in an apartment? Do you live in a house? We live in a duplex. Okay. Um, but we have a, our whole private backyard, mm. uh, which we absolutely love. Nice. It has a small inflatable pool. I mean, it's nothing to write home about, <laughs> but it's certainly enough to uh, dip in to cool off. Um, and she has an area to ride her bike, and um, we have a cat. So. so she has a lot of space. <laughs> yeah, so, um, and we, we love our little duplex. It's great. Uh, do, you, do you and the cat get along? Yes. <laughs> it's just the dad that the yeah, cat. Yeah, the dad. <laughs> dad and the cat do not get along at all. <laughs> see, I see, I see a script right there. I'm just saying, somewhere in there, <laughs> there's a script. So wh- when you're watching her, rehearse the lines and you're rehearsing with her at the auditions what are the auditions like for you being there once i get her there Mm -hmm. it's (laughs) fine once you're like get out of the way yeah and uh what's awful is some of the places parking is so difficult that i have to let her off by herself Mm -hmm. because we're so close on time and as a parent that's very scary absolutely um i hate leaving her and just dropping her off and driving around until the audition's over because i have no place to park Outside of that, though, once I get her to the audition, um, short of maybe pulling her hair out here or there, mm-hmm. she just goes in and does her thing. When she comes out, mm-hmm. I say, do you have fun? She says, yeah. And we do have a rule. The rule is we don't discuss the, anything that went on in the audition until we get in the car. Mm-hmm. Um, simply because I found, unfortunately, that people listen to everything that you say there mm-hmm. and hang on those words. And so I'm, I'm always like, just... You know, let's just wait till we get to the car, and then she'll tell me how it went. She has a rating system. She rates every audition mm-hmm. one to ten, one being the worst, ten being the best. Um, so I always know when when she gives the rating how she felt it went, and you know sometimes we're surprised by them. I, I I've said this before on the podcast. I always felt like when I feel like I do the worst in an audition was when I would have the best outcome. A lot of times, it's I we found that as well. Mm-hmm. It, it seems to be strange mm-hmm. I, I don't understand it yeah it's, it's a weird it's a weird paradox now when she comes out and she maybe comes out and says like it was, i think it's like a three like you know it's not, not i didn't do my best how do you does is she some is is he a, a person that needs that cons- consoling or is she kind of like oh well let's let's keep moving oh well yeah, hey, that's great too. Same way when like the avails drop off, the first couple ones it, it was difficult, mm-hmm. and um, she would be pretty upset about those. Now it's kind of like water off the back, right? It just keeps moving. Do you get nervous for it while you're waiting for in the audition, or has it gotten to a point now where it's just um, a routine? It, it's kind of routine, and it's uh, I know that it, it's not in my control. Certainly, it's not in her control, mm-hmm. so I've just kind of learned to let it go and. Mm-hmm. If she gets a call back, great. If she gets on a veil, that's even better. Right. If she books it, that's wonderful. <laughs> and so, But we certainly, in our family, we celebrate any successes. So if um, she gets a call back, it's usually a smaller celebration, but we do something tiny. Mm-hmm. Um, for a veils, we usually go out to dinner. And oh, for nice. bookings, it's dinner. It's dinner up. plus a present. Is it is it California Pizza Kitchen? Is that the celebration joint? Actually, Black Angus. Oh, Black Angus. Okay, nice. She likes lobster. Oh, okay. She has a huge affinity for lobster. <laughs> <laughs> not, not great for the wallet, but no, I, I, I totally agree. But when, you know, child stars of the past, uh, one of the biggest issues that usually comes with between the parents and the kid is money. How do you handle, what's handling of like when she books something and gets paid, What's the handling of that with you guys? What's y'all structure for that? Of course, she has her Coogan account, um, which is the Block Trust. Um, so part of her money goes in there that mm-hmm. she'll be able to get when she's 18. Okay, so you have a trust set up for her. That's mm-hmm. nice. The other part of that is um, every dime that she gets is hers. She has been working towards going to Paris. Ooh. Wow. Um, she Since she was probably, I guess, for the last two and a half years, been the dream. She, mm-hmm. So every, every dime that she's made has been uh, to go to Paris. Most recently, she made the decision that we were going to use it to stay out here a little bit longer. Oh, wow. And that was a difficult decision for her. It gave uh, her, her dad and I constantly will ask her, Izzy, are you sure this is something you want to continue to do? Because I always look for the day where maybe she's going to wake up and decide, I don't really want to do this, or the ride's over, so to speak. Mm-hmm. So we check in with her frequently, and um, it was kind of refreshing to hear her say, 
that she would have rather continue following her dream of acting mm-hmm. than um, going to Paris. So uh, right now, she's going to use her money to stay. We're going to stay at least through January. This will be our first Christmas in L.A., mm-hmm. so if you have any tips. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, one of the best things about L.A. at Christmas is everybody leves. So it's true. So the, the streets become open. Yeah, it's oh, like wow. the tr- there's okay. very little traffic during the, the like the probably the week before and the week after. The okay. traffic is very light. Parking on streets is a lot easier, <laughs> um, okay. just because everybody leaves. And it, that's that's probably the best thing about Christmas in Los Angeles okay. is everybody's gone. <laughs> <laughs> well, but, but then there's also just, you know, driving around the town and like checking out mm-hmm. all the various Christmas lights mm-hmm. that are up. Right. Um, there's also a lot of ice skating parks mm-hmm. that will okay. open up around downtown L.A. Mm-hmm. So there is going to be a lot of fun stuff that is open uh, during uh, December, mm-hmm. November, stuff like that. And Disneyland has their kind of Christmas thing as well okay. where they, they change the park and adjust certain rides to be more Christmas themed. Have you been to Disneyland yet? Not out here, but in Florida. Oh, you've been to Disney World. You haven't been to Disneyland yet. So Disney World is where the the place where dreams come true, Mm -hmm. and Disneyland is the happiest place on earth. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. definitely check it. (laughs) 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 I mean, don't go. It's terrible. It's the worst place in the world. Or don't go to Universal Studios Hollywood either. Uh, so, so you, obviously you seem you seem like you you've given her that responsibility of handling her money, and it seems like she's made very uh, uh, professional adult decisions with it so far. Um, I, I'm sure obviously you've talked to her about handling and money and how you know, responsibilities with that. Um, that's great that she decided to use it to prolong the stay out here. Um, it shows that she's committed, and and uh, and I think also understands that this isn't like happens in a year it's a journey a slow burn as we say so you've mentioned some of the moms Um, are there any particular not people maybe you know but any particular instances you can uh, tell us about uh, that you've seen that maybe to help people understand like hey this this is not cool don't do this oh I've seen parents berating their child either before they go in Uh or after um, forcing them to break down material. You can do this, you can do this, and like right up in the child's face mm. uh, right before they go in. Um, and I've seen them quite upset with them when they come out because the kid said, I forgot the line, or I didn't do this, mm. or this happened. And that just drives me insane. <laughs> um, and I've also seen um, the parents, both moms and dads, that you know, are living it through their kids and mm. it's, it's so, it sticks out all over people. Mm-hmm. You can just see it within a few minutes. Right. You can tell this was mom's dream, dad's dream, not the kiddo's dream. Right. Now, is there a difference between like a stage mom and a stage dad or are they pretty much similar in the same, in, in the same style? Similar. Yeah. Um, have you had any incidences in like auditions with another parent or anything like not not fights obviously but like any kind of instance of like okay like um, i i need to say something or we're getting out of here like i don't want to be around that usually we're just getting out of here i try i've kind of raised izzy to you know mind your own business so mm-hmm. obviously if, if a child was physically being harmed of course i would step in right absolutely but um no we just kind of get away from it mm-hmm. um, I mean, Izzy's had some experiences and some auditions um, where when the casting director was out of the room, there's a group of kids in there. They've made fun of her name. Like, mm-hmm. I mean, it's it's kind of like your regular bullying in mm-hmm. school. Um, and those have been just kind of teachable moments for us. But mm-hmm. that's been difficult, too. You know, how do you handle the situations when there is a little bit of bullying from other kids and and things like that, or she just goes on. She knows it's not right. She doesn't say anything back to him. She just goes on and does her thing, does her audition, ignores it, whatever. It's the best way to do it, man. They're not worth it. They they're just jealous. They called Izzy. They said Izzy was a stupid name, but it's not true. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's not. I love the name Izzy. I think it's a great name. You have a you you one. You have a unique name. Your name's not Jane Smith. So I mean, obviously, people are gonna remember that name, which. That's the best thing you can have. If they're going to, you know, like that's such an interesting name, they're going to remember that name. 
Thank you. No problem. Also, those people who are making fun of you weren't cast in like by M Night Shyamalan in a movie. (laughs) So there, they're 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 more jealous of you than anything else. Mm -hmm. You know, Michael was was your understudy for Split. He was going to also play the little girl if you couldn't do it. I I was going to have to trim the beard a little bit, but yeah, she's just no, no. She's like, she's like, come at me, (laughs) come at me, bro, come at me, bro. Yeah, be prepared. You do all those, we'll talk. Exactly. (laughs) So, what do you feel when she's on set? Obviously, she's been on a few sets. What do you feel your role is on set? How do you? What do you do? How do you kind of occupy yourself? And like, how do you, you know, be there for her, but try, you know, obviously try not to get in the way. I read books. I don't sit in her sight line. I never, because she looks at me for approval, mm-hmm. which is the exact opposite of what she should be doing. Mm-hmm. Like, for instance, with Split, I, I literally sat at the top of the hill. The scene was shot on the hill. Um, I like to have her with an earshot so I can hear what not only what's going on with her, but what's going on around her just to make sure that she's safe. Mm-hmm. Um, but outside of that, I don't watch anything. When uh, the Barbie campaign um, was filmed, I sat with my back to her in the airport, Mm. never turned around. I just listened the whole time. Split, same thing. And I I read books, and I try to get very involved in the book other than just kind of listening just to make sure she's okay. Mm -hmm. And then I take her for her lunch and her dinner breaks. Obviously, she's got to go to the bathroom. I take her to the bathroom, you know, things like that. But outside of that, it's just her. Right. It's so interesting that, you know, she seems like we've talked about several times. She's very independent in that sense. So it seems like you do have a little easier where she's not always looking for you or wondering where you are and constantly needing you. She's able to kind of do her thing. And then you guys get back together at the end of it. That's awesome. Do you like, especially with the content, like in split, um, did you have any concerns or worries about her being, uh, you know, uh, near that or, or impacted by that in any way? Or and the only thing, like the content that was behind, kind of behind the scenes, that was left up mm-hmm. to the viewer to figure out, mm-hmm. didn't worry at all about that. Right. Um, however, um, we were a little bit concerned about her holding the gun, mm-hmm. not because I was worried about what other people would think. Her dad took her out then and made sure that she shot and that she knew what a gun could do. That was my only concern. Not that she would ever think that it was a toy anyway. I just wanted um, to make sure that she knew what a gun could do. Mm -hmm. So we actually had her shoot a pellet gun. Um, And the kick from the pellet gun was enough that after, I don't know, Maybe ten shots. She really didn't want to do it anymore, but I did want her to know what a gun. Could that's do. that's really smart. Like get, it, get it, the awareness of what this thing is and what it what it, what power it holds. Yeah. yeah. You know, one of the things uh, when I was younger that I was told a lot when it came to gun safety and stuff like that was respecting the the gun. And so I think that's what you taught her: respect what you're holding because of what it can do. Right. Uh, if if not in the right hands, obviously, right. <laughs> um, uh, competent hands. When she, you know she booked the gig, uh, especially split. When she books a gig, how do you feel? Like when she books a gig, do you jump on bed too, or <laughs> no. this jump we now. do this little little jump between us and the floor? Um, <laughs> um, mom's not that rogue. Um, but... Mom, when moms go rogue. <laughs> when she booked Barbie, uh, we came out here in. Let's see, July. She booked Barbie at the end of August. Mm-hmm. Um, we had originally, we were only coming out for 90 days. Mm-hmm. And um, so she booked that, and I, I was kind of taken back. I, was, I mean, I was proud of her, and in a way I wasn't surprised, but in a way I still was surprised mm-hmm. that it had actually happened for her. After that one, then she booked Split like 30 days later, mm-hmm. And um, with Split, knowing that it was a major feature film by a director that I had heard of, I'm not a huge movie buff. So to hear someone's name that you recognize and then realize that your child has been cast, it was kind of um, just an experience that was almost indescribable because I didn't, 
I didn't think it was going to happen that quickly. I, mm-hmm. I wasn't that I doubted her talent, right? but I, I certainly didn't think that within 60 days of coming to LA, she would have booked a major feature film. Right. I just, I didn't see it coming. Um, so I was definitely excited for her. Um, uh, but then as we boarded the plane, I, I remember thinking, can she actually do this? <laughs> um, not that I, again, not that I was questioning her talent, but I was just like, wow, this was so much faster than what I thought. And this is such a big project. Is she going to be able to get through all of this and keep up with the schedule and going back where you have three hours time difference mm-hmm. and just wondering the next day, is she going to be able to get up and do it? Mm-hmm. And then she did. And I, after that point, it was kind of like it was all downhill. After right. That. What, um, what was it like when you guys find, I'm sure you guys went to a theater and saw the film when it came out. We did a pre-screening. Okay. Nice. And, um, I was shaking like a leaf. <laughs> now, was, she, was she with you when you, when yeah. you saw Okay. That's, because, you, you, you wanted to watch it first. Yes, okay. to see whether she could watch it. Right. Um, I wasn't sure how scary it was going to be. Mm-hmm. Um, but I some, some of her friends had done some television work and uh, as well as some feature film work where they, you know, they kept ranting and raving on Facebook about they're going to have this part, this, that, and the other. Scenes got cut. They weren't mm-hmm. even in it at all. Yeah. So the whole time I was wondering, did it get cut? Is it in there? Is it in there? Is mm-hmm. it in there? So I was nervous about that. And when her face first popped up on the screen, I remember gripping the sides of my chair. <laughs> and it was just like, okay, so she made it at least once. And then <laughs> um, from there, it was just excitement. There was a part of in the back of my mind as I watched it that I wondered... Um, some of our family, especially elderly people, not not grandmothers, but um, other elderly family, I wondered what they would think of our decision as parents to have her in a film like that. Mm-hmm. Um, as I saw it unfolding, that really crossed my mind. Mm-hmm. Um, but I was ple- pleasantly surprised that there was very little backlash right. about it. Well, you know, that's a hard thing. Like, that's something I've, when I was, especially when I was going more into the acting side with my mom, my mom, again, from Dallas, Southern, conservative, mm-hmm. Christian, um, you know, and, and luckily she had done theater when she was younger. So she was, so, she knew, had some knowledge of that world. And that was one of the things we talked about a lot. It was, you know, certain roles or types of films and how that, you know, and, and my thought was always, I'm doing, I'm, I'm portraying reality. So, you know, it, it's, it's hard for me to get mad to go, Oh, I don't want to do that. If that's, if that's just showing real life and real people, right. you know? And so I think it's, it's, it's easy sometimes for people to be like, Oh, she was in a movie where people got killed and cults and all this stuff. But it's like, well, it's a movie. <laughs> like it's not. Right. And that's very much how we are. Um, the only thing that uh, we will ever say no to is, if she's on set with um, some foul language here and there, we don't worry about that. Now, if she has to talk like a truck driver at the age of eight, <laughs> it's, it's a no for us. So it's she, a so she wouldn't be in like Bad Santa three. Probably not. <laughs> um, I, I will never say never. Um, um, I've learned that thus mm-hmm. far not to do that. But I, some some of the things. Um, I, I, as a parent, just think it's kind of distasteful. Right. Um, and I don't want her associated with that. But if she has to say a couple things, we've let some stuff slide. But right. I'm just not a big fan of four-letter words. Un- understandable. Totally understandable. Old. Yeah. Um, now, obviously, especially with Split, she's become more, a lot more people in a broader sense know who she is. Um, she, I know she, like she mentioned earlier before, she has a Facebook account and uh, Twitter and things like that. How do you guys handle the social media and the, you know, again, people know who she is. How do you guys handle that part of it where I'm sure she gets some fan letters and stuff like that? You know, what, as a parent, what do you do to kind of keep her protected at the same time? Um, she reads everything that comes in mm-hmm. only after I or her dad have screened in. Right. Um, and she tells us what she wants posted. She tells us what she doesn't want posted. Sometimes she'll say, I don't want that to go on Facebook. She says that it doesn't go on Facebook. Mm-hmm. Anything that goes on there are her thoughts, but we of course monitor what does go up and what mm-hmm. doesn't. Mm-hmm. Um, same with fan mail. I mean, we we've had some strange things. I've had to block some people. <laughs> you know, right? Questionable. There's behavior. some weirdos out there. Questionable behavior. Right. Um, but 
other than that, I mean, she loves social media. Mm-hmm. And I think she's grown up in that age where that's what you do. Right. That, that is the interesting thing, right? Like, mm-hmm. Izzy's generation is that one to really grow up with it all available, mm-hmm. whereas we've had to adapt to right. it. Right. Yeah. And adapt is definitely <laughs> yeah, Very much so. Have there been any, you said you get, you've gotten some letters and stuff like that, but has everything pretty much been kosher other than that for the most part? Yeah, oh, definitely. And um, she's recognized all the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, everywhere we go, um, I would say, I would say on average once, maybe twice a week mm-hmm. we're, we're somewhere. And mm-hmm. like last weekend she was recognized twice in one day. <laughs> how, how, now, how do you both handle that when somebody, you know, you're at a restaurant and somebody's like, oh my God, you were in the, that movie. I and just, I just say, oh. Oh, thank you for taking a picture, you know. <laughs> how, do you, how do you handle it, Mom? For me, it's fine at yeah. this point. Um, I worry about if she would have continued success. I worry about her having what I call a normal life, mm-hmm. being able to go out to dinner right. without people standing behind you waiting. What we've had, people have been very gracious and easygoing thus far. Um, and people usually approach me and say, can I take a picture Oh, that's her? good. Or can I talk to her? And that's like, that's yeah, respectful, like going sure, to the mom. go ahead. Yeah. Um, but I, I wonder what life would be like. Um, I see how some people are kind of running from, like, the paparazzi. And I don't ever wish that on anyone. Right. No, it's good that people ask you first. That's yeah. really nice. Right. For her. Uh, no, it's been good. Um you know, we've only had one teenage girl that we thought was going to pick her up and run with her. She <laughs> really <laughs> I want to apologize about that first of all. I'm sorry I got that excited. Uh, <laughs> um, now, uh, real quick, one of the final things I want to talk about is obviously uh, we've mentioned it earlier that uh, Izzy is in a, a horror-type film uh, called POV that guest of the show, Kurt Mega, is co-directing along with uh, another friend of the show, Eric Carroll, who's done all our photography. Doing something like that, we kind of talked about the content of certain things. You know, being in a cult like film type thing like that, how was that for you? Was it the same kind of like, oh, you know, I looked at the script, it's not anything terrible? I think um, in that instance, uh, knowing Kurt as long as we've known Kurt mm-hmm. felt a level of comfort that he would not ask Izzy to do something that I would not think highly of. Right. That's in. I realized that she um, drifts more towards the drama side of things than comedy, mm-hmm. um, and she does well doing serious, darker material, mm-hmm. um, and I realized that's just who she is, so I think it's kind of a fact of my life. <laughs> <laughs> it is It is what it is. Right. Nice. Now, Izzy, how, how was it for you? Obviously, you were in a dark room with scary masks and all this stuff. Was the filming for you pretty simple, or...? Mm-hmm. Since I knew that everything was fake, it wasn't scary at all. I mean, you turn the lights on. There's a th- there's theater seats in front of you. Yeah, if you turn definitely. the lights on in the room, all right, great. Uh, you know, it's good to know that you obviously watch out for her and aren't just like do whatever so you can get on your face on the screen. Like you you do take care of those moments, but also give a little at the same time to make sure it's not restricted to a certain amount of things. And we're very fortunate. Um, her manager. Um, it's almost like family, really. Mm-hmm. Um, I can go to them and say, these are my concerns, and they will either, um, they always support my decisions, but they will kind of kind of play devil's advocate in a good way and mm-hmm. say, but what if this, or what if we ask if this is taken out, something mm-hmm. of that nature? That makes a huge difference to me because I realize that they're respecting my right as a parent, mm-hmm. but that they want her to work. Right, absolutely. Uh, do you have any kind of advice for moms or dads of, of kids that want to get into the business um, about either coming to L.A. or, um, uh, or you know, uh, the stuff that you've talked about going to auditions and, and not being the stage mom or stage dad? Definitely. Uh, The biggest thing I would say is if you're planning to come out to L.A., make sure that you have ten dollars or $15,000 extra (laughs) um, compared to what you originally thought you were bringing. Um, Mm -hmm. It's very expensive. Um, Money goes very quickly here. Um, And um, 
if your child's really passionate about it, my best advice is to get a manager before you get an agent. You know, we kind of talked about Izzy preparing to come to L.A. How did you prepare to come out here? Um, well, I own my own business, which is nice mm-hmm. because I'm able to work from wherever, um, which is a plus, but I had to bring client files and all kinds of stuff with me to Mm -hmm. be able to do that. So it was kind of like packing up your professional life. I have close friends, which at home, which I, I talk to almost daily of still, which is wonderful. Um, but saying goodbye to them was hard. Um, we let go of our house. And, uh, so when we go home to Georgia, we go to my mom's house. (laughs) (laughs) So, um, it, that's different. Um, so we gave up a lot to do it, but um, I think it's been worth it. Oh, good. Well, that's good. Well, thank you so much for talking with us um, and kind of giving that mom parent point of view. I do have one more thing I want to do with Izzy. So Izzy, you're eight, so you may not remember this, but before Facebook, there was another place that people would socialize called MySpace. Do you remember? Do you have any knowledge of MySpace? No. Okay. MySpace was very similar to Facebook. You had a top six friends list where their pictures would be up, and that was very important. That was really important to people for some reason. If you were not in, like, if we were good friends and I wasn't in your top six, you'd be really upset. Now, have you done any of the quizzes on Facebook before? Like, what house of uh, Harry Potter you're in? That kind of quiz. I haven't, but I have done it on IMDb. Okay, okay. So there's MySpace, there used to be these quizzes where there were questions that really mean nothing. It's just kind of get-to-know-you questions that people would do when they were bored. And one of the things I do on this show is I have a 167-question quiz that I found that's an old MySpace quiz that I always ask every guest six questions that they pick, and I ask them six very benign questions (laughs) that... To me, it may be just funny to me because they're so, they're nothing, really. So I'm going to ask you these six questions, okay? okay? Are you ready yes. for your MySpace quiz? Yes. All right, question number one. Have you ever dyed your hair? No. No, you've never dyed your hair, okay. If you were to dye your hair, what color <laughs> would it be? You tricked her. You got her. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> She's like, I don't know. Do you believe in angels? Yes. See, look, that's what I love. People just, man, they got it. They got the questions. All right. Do you have an attitude? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> because she wants to burn that house down when she goes into that audition, y'all. Exactly. Have you ever found anything valuable on the ground? No. All right. And I believe that's five, right? That's five, yeah. That's five. All right. The last question that you chose. Did you have a dream last night? No. I mean, yes. You did? Do you remember what that dream was? Yes. I was at a crane machine. It looked like something that a stuffed animal would be in, but it had gold coins instead. (laughs) Ooh. Did you win any of them? No. I woke (laughs) up before I could. Oh, no. That's the worst about dreams. Well, thank you for taking my MySpace quiz. I told you, it's benign questions that really mean nothing in the end. (laughs) There's no climax to it at all. But now people know a little bit more about you, and that's always fantastic. (laughs) <laughs> so thank you so much for being here, Izzy. Once again, thank you so much, Mom, for being here and, and talking to us. We really appreciate it, and we hope to have you back. And, again, keep us updated. And, and once again, where can people find you on, on online? You can find me on Twitter at Izzy Coffee, Facebook at Izzy Lee Coffee, and, again, my website, IzzyCoffee.com slash actress. Hire this girl, folks, I'm telling you. What, what eight-year-old has their own website? <laughs> Literally has her own website and, like, kind of does her own stuff with a little help from mom. It's fantastic. It's fantastic. Well, thank you again. Thank you for having me. No problem. Come back and see us, all right? I will. All right, back to you, Michael and Daniel, in the studio. Welcome back, everyone. So let's dive into reflection on this amazing interview that Daniel just had with uh, Shallon Coffee. I think it was just such a great experience to hear from the perspective of the parent. Uh, So many people, when they think of Hollywood and specifically actors, they don't tend to think about child actors. But there's a lot of dynamics that go on behind the scenes of a child appearing in a film. And I think it's so great to hear from the parent because there's a lot of sacrifice and there's a lot of hustle that clearly Izzy's parents had to make in order for her 
to pursue this career to the point that her dad is still over in Georgia and yet her mom and she live here in Los Angeles. And I think it's it speaks a lot to the kind of person and to the great parent that Shallon is by really giving Izzy the responsibility to decide if she wants to continue on with this career. Uh, she doesn't want to push her in either way as long as Izzy's still passionate about this career path, then she's going to continue to support her. But I think it was so... I, I, My jaw just dropped in the interview when she was telling about how Izzy had made that recent choice to, instead of using the funds that she had built over doing commercials and some films, instead of doing her dream trip to Paris, she instead made the decision to, no, I want to stay here in Los Angeles and I want to continue on and see what can happen. And I think that just shows the <laughs> the level-headedness that this you know young person has on their shoulders, that she's aware of where she is right now in her career. And, you know, the momentum is going for her. She appeared in a feature film. She's been booking commercials. So, so why not just keep going and see what can happen? Again, I, I also really appreciated that Shallon spoke on how some parents in this industry, and of course, there's a lot of stress that goes involved uh, with getting your child in this type of industry, but how many parents try to live vicariously through the child and how for Shallon, she is much more removed from the actual business part of acting and from the actual process as well. Uh, on the set of Split, as you recall, she would sit far enough away that Izzy was in her line of sight, but that she would specifically not be watching her daughter perform because she didn't want her daughter to think that she needed her mom's approval in her performance. So I thought that was so great. And also it, another wonderful instance of seeing how this parent is really allowing their child to become their own artist. And you're, if you want to be doing this, if you want to be on set, this is your job. Her her job, uh, Shallon's job as a mother is to just be there and to support her through all of this. Obviously, get her as prepared that she can. But a lot of in terms of the quote unquote business part, she leaves to Izzy's management, uh, her manager and her agents. So I think it just shows how you can be a parent in this industry to someone who is involved in television and film. And it's also great to see how hard she's working to make sure that Izzy still retains that sense of a childhood. The, you know, it's not all just business day in, day out, work, 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 work. No, you got to be a kid. You got to go and have fun. And I think sometimes a lot of child actors, and we know from sometimes hearing about it in the news and stuff, it can become really stressful. So I think... Shallon and Izzy are going about this career the right way and it it was just such a pleasure speaking with them and getting this perspective so we would love to also hear what you thought of this interview um, if if you've heard of any experiences or if you yourself have been a child actor in the industry or if you've been a parent we would love to hear from you um, now you can always reach out to Izzy on Twitter as well as on Instagram at Izzy Coffee, that is I Z Z I E C O F F E Y. And that is her handle on both Twitter and Instagram. Uh, you can also submit to us your questions, your thoughts, your ideas uh, for this episode. We're on social media. We're on Twitter at LA Hustlecast. We're also on Instagram at Hollywood Hustle Podcast. And then, of course, you can always directly just email us. Hollywood Hustle Podcast at gmail.com. A lot was discussed on this episode, and we would love to hear from you and what you thought. Coming up next week here on the podcast, uh, we're going to kind of break into the Halloween season, as it were, with an Act One interview with horror filmmaker, director, screenwriter, Todd Nunez. Now, you may recall the last name because Todd is actually the brother of our previous guest here on the podcast, Ashley Mary Nunez, uh, who has collaborated with him on many of his films. She has acted in his film Scary Larry, All Through the House, and of course, their upcoming film, Death Ward 13. And that is a film that, of course, you can get a signed poster of 
if you uh, submit a review for us on iTunes. Um, it's going to be a great conversation. I can't wait to share this with you. Now, earlier in the today's episode, I did address the recent tragedies that has struck Northern California. More than 15 fires have scorched over 220 acres, destroyed an estimated 5,700 structures, and caused at least 40 deaths in more than half a dozen counties since October 8th. And Daniel briefly addressed this uh, in last week's episode, but I'm, I'm sorry. It's just trying to find a way to say this. Uh, a member of our team has been directly affected by these fires. Um, Kel Torados, he is one of my best friends. He's our sound editor here for the podcast. And unfortunately, he lost his grandma as well as her caregiver in one of the fires up in Napa in uh, Napa. It, uh, uh, for those of you who uh, may not be aware of this fire incident, uh, it, Northern California has been experiencing a lot of high winds, intense winds. And on uh, last Sunday, there around 10 o'clock at night, I was actually speaking with my mom on the phone and the power went out. Uh, my, my, my parents live in Vacaville, but apparently there was a you know wide power outage happening. And that was around the time that the fires started. And um, unfortunately, Kel's grandma and her caregiver, they weren't able to get out in time. And it words can't express the, the sorrow or the sheer shock of this news, especially with someone that I directly know. Um, I have one of my best memories of any uh, birthday weekend was spending uh, a Super Bowl Sunday with Kel at his grandma's house. And it was this beautiful house in Napa. It was, um, and she was just so warm and so, and so funny. Uh, Kel's got a great sense of humor. And I, and I, I just remember getting that sense, uh, from his grandma, uh, when we would interact. And, um, I've spoken with Kel, uh, over the, over the past week or so. Um, I'm not going to go into what happened and everything. That is not our place to say. Some of you did send, uh, wishes, to Kel. They sent uh, wishes to us to express to Kel that, you know, you I and I know you didn't know what had happened, but I've passed those wishes on to Kel and he is greatly uh, appreciative of those kind words that, that have been sent to us. And um, I just wanted to give a moment of silence to Kel's grandma, Sally Lewis, as well as the amazing uh woman who was her caregiver, Teresa Santos, uh, that we have lost. So join me in a moment of silence for Sally and Teresa. Thank you guys for that. Um, now, in the wake of a, such a tragedy, uh, a lot of us who are outside of the situation, outside of the scenario, or always facing the question of what can I do to help? Uh, and there's there's a lot that you can do. Because this fire has been so widespread, as I said, there's been 15 fires in Northern California alone. The And, and they're still battling many of these fires. None of them, as a, the release of this podcast, are fully contained. So one of the ways that you can contribute, uh, gofundme.com. Uh, it's a, uh, a platform where you can donate money to specific causes. GoFundMe has actually launched an umbrella as it were to multiple organizations and relief efforts that you can contribute to. Uh, the city of Santa Rosa has also created a donation fund through a website called youcaring.com. Uh, you can always donate of course to Red Cross, uh, but I would say the best way to for you to find out how you can contribute is to reach out to the specific communities 
that have been affected and find out what they're in need of. Uh, of course, during this time, any type of financial contribution that you can give is going to be greatly appreciated. But many, many families have also lost their homes, uh, lost all their belongings. If you can contribute any kind of food, clothing, uh, anything that you can offer that you think a family who have lost everything would need at this time, please go online. We'll also include links in the episode notes of this podcast, but please reach out Um Reach out to the communities, uh, Santa Rosa, Napa, Sonoma. There's so many that have been uh, affected by this. And of course, Kel has been as well. And um, at, at this time, there's no donation fund that's going on right now for Kel and uh, his family. Uh, we will let you know as soon as we know if that's uh, being set up. Kel, from me, and I... I speak on behalf of Daniel and all of our listeners. We love you. We we love your family. And we just are sending you love and big open arms to this terrible tragedy and event that has happened. And we wish for the best. And thank you, everyone, uh, so much for uh, listening to us uh, express this news. So, everyone, please take care of yourselves. Embrace love. And always keep up the hustle. This episode of the Hollywood Hustle podcast was hosted by Daniel Tuttle and produced with Michael Lutheran. Kel Torados is our sound engineer and Mike Tobias edited our website. For more information about the show, please visit our website at hollywoodhustlepodcast.com.